Good Wednesday morning, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville Network on a show presented by Ross Mortgage. If you woke up this morning, you may have seen some macro headlines that are a bit disheartening in the finance and real estate spaces, but we're here to unpack those headlines and offer clarity why the macro news cycle doesn't always apply to Charlottesville and Central Virginia. Judah Wickhauer, our director, let's go to studio camera in a three shot and welcome Scott Morris and Keith Smith to the program. And Scott, we should start right away with you. Uh, Macro headline number one, mortgage demand at a 28 year low. Um, It's looking like um, a mortgage on a 30-year fixed with good credit is flirt with 7% uh, here in the first trading day of March in 2023. The show is yours, Scott Morris. Down 44% uh, in purchase volume from this time last year. Uh, Yeah, all of those are not great things. Uh, The good news is uh, I think that we got an inflated jobs report uh, two weeks ago, and I think next week we start to see uh, somewhere between the the 7th and the 10th, there's some data coming out that I think is going to support a more friendly bond market. Um, So a lot of that had to do with some numbers that they pumped in uh, literally with – Numbers from last year that they pushed over into that rolled over into the new year that really actually did not they weren't real uh, the the data was uh, so late being pushed into uh, that report that it wasn't factual we'll see um, I think that next week gives us a a, a better look uh, yeah so we've got a U.S. ten year that just crossed four um, percent we are at uh, the highs that have matched the highs of the last few months which are the you know the the highest we've been in in 10 years but uh i don't see it you know i don't think this sticks i think uh i've talked about how volatile things would be and i think we're we're living and breathing that right now um but i think next week brings better news so um we're you know i'm up they see me i'm down that's like uh uh something that in the marine corps they they teach you when people are shooting at you and that's kind of what the market's doing right now uh we're up uh i think everybody has a heart attack we get some data that supports a better uh, environment, and we come back down. Scott Morris, guys, Ross Mortgage, first sizzle reel right there. Keith Smith, a co-owner, co-founder of Yes Realty Partners, an award-winning realtor. <laughs> yeah. He's been in the game for three decades plus, and frankly speaking, one of the best broadcasters I know. Oh, here, here is an opportunity to create a nice piece of sizzle reel content for your own. I mean, we have some some headwinds with the macro news cycle. Does not always apply to Central Virginia, however. Micro markets matter. Um, you know, it, it, that's. Yeah. I don't consider that news. I consider that entertainment that we're looking on over there. There's 24 hours, seven days a week, filling stuff in. What I really want to look at is I just, you know, we, we do these seven day stuff all the time going back. So on Monday, we looked back, there was. Uh, 52 homes that came on the market Monday, seven days back. Today, which are only three days away, that number's up to 68. And by the way, the pendings are about the same, 77, 73 days. So, you know, to, to Scott's point, you know, the, the interest rates are going up and down. So is houses coming on the market and going off, going off the market. And then people are buying, people are selling, you know, the, 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 they're moving, they're moving the needle forward. I'll, um, 
you know, just to put a, a, a reality to it, I've been working on trying to get three contracts for three buyers between Richmond, Nelson County, and Waynesboro, and been losing every single one of them. Multiple offers. Oh, yeah. I've had, I had uh, somebody, I, two somebodies, uh, losing multiple offer situations over the weekend, making above, above list price offers. So, and these are all different price ranges. The one on the other side of the mountain, because of the buyer's circumstances, we're at around 200 grand, which is a hard thing to find. Nelson County, we're, we're in the three to four range, and Richmond, we're in the five to six range. Every single one of those areas and price points, we've lost to multiple buyers. The 201 on the other side of the mountain, we lost to cash, which makes sense. That's investor primed rental kind of scenario but both of them you know the one in richmond was six figures over the one in nelson county was multiple figures over or double figures double digit figures there you go over so you could be watching that but that's not what's happening in the street right how's your applications going um so we go through burst and uh the last Five or six days have slowed down a little bit, um, but uh, you know I don't know w- exactly what that's related to. If it's inventory, if it's rates, if it's uh, we, you know rain for a few days and people got sad. I don't know. So does does pre? <laughs> oh, I love Scott. I love Scott so much. We're just going to walk around with a little bit of sun, ray of sunshine. We're I am a ray of sunshine. sunshine. That's what I'm here for. I love Scott. Shine love a Scott. ray of sunshine. Atlanta Mangione watching the program, just an all-around A-plus oh, yeah. person. We, we uh, enjoyed a, a, a cocktail and a drink with her last night. It was good uh, to see her. Your real estate colleague, Maggie Gunnels, watching. Hey, Maggie. How are you? She says, this is why you play the long-term game here, yeah. especially in Central Virginia. Yeah. Um, she knows, you know, Scott knows. The, the, uh, the, the buyer pool is so deep. It really, I don't even want to say this out loud, but I will. Interest rates really don't matter. There's so many buyers that are in that pool that are looking to chase so few homes to buy that, you know, interest rates is not an issue. It's, it's how much am I going to pay? Maybe I'll bring more cash to the table to offset certain things. It's just that they're, the buyer pool isn't being scared away. Maggie, just she can t- time in. And she has more buyers now, I'm sure, than she's had before, and they're coming into the market on a daily basis. The question I was going to ask you, though, is there a differentiating, differenti- oh boy, is it different? I'll try a different word. Is it different, the, the application versus pre-approval, right? So I pick up the phone and send you. Sure. So um, the, the number of qualified applicants, so typically on average um, what we see, um, given we've got a number of different uh, lead resources and uh, realtors and individuals and uh, online advertising. So we're about three to one. So that's three credit pools to a pre-approved buyer, um, and then generally what we see, um, or what we're starting to see, is a longer transition from pre-approval to contract. That's what I'm trying to get. Given the amount of inventory, that's what I'm trying to get. So typically, you know, when when inventory is a little healthier, uh, so you generate two pre-approvals. One of those two should close the following month. Right now, we're seeing a longer time from contact to contract. Um, and that's really coming into play with what's available in inventory, what expe- expectations are, um, what programs they might be interested in, if they're looking to do a 203K, if they're looking to do a renovation, an investor renovation, um, how long it's going to take them to find the property that's going to match their needs. 
So I like that uh, contact to contract. So that's what I was trying to get at. So I send you a, a client, right, and fill out your application or fill out your online uh, portal. Um, is that considered an application or is that just a contact at that point? I get a pre-approval. So, letter. well, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. There's to, so many different, like, uh, so we consider an application started once there's a contract. I consider for a client an application started once they complete so, so, what they need. For so, so that's the point I'm trying to get to in a very feeble, fumbling way. So the data that we're looking at is really from contracts or from initial contacts? Contracts. Yeah. When you're seeing them, what the media is publishing is, is actual contracts. When they talk applications, they, they mean, mean contracts. They mean contracts. Well, duh, there's less contracts going on now. Absolutely. So therefore, yeah, applications on. I would be more interested in what's the volume of, of a Maggie Gunnels, Keith Smith, Jonas Smith, any real estate agent reaching out to you and saying, look, I need a pre-approval letter. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm more interested in because that means we've got buyers out there actively looking. We definitely have de uh, activity. Um, and the number of applications or leads as far as the way we track them at a team level. So um, now and you'll talk to different people. A lead could be like, hey, I've got somebody for you, and they just give you a name. They'll count that in, in their process. We like to count ap actual credit applications um, as far as uh, our leads go. That's then from uh, lead to pre-approval, pre-approval to contract when we're tracking numbers. So I'm trying to quickly just take a look at how many – <laughs> I love that. That was endearing. There you go. You had the uh, branding upside down for those that are listening yeah. to the uh, Yeah, somebody should vision. pick the show up. I'm going to drink coffee. Audio version. Of yeah, it makes the show great. Um, Jamie Turner is watching the program. Here we go. How about this? He is the, uh, the mayor of Gordonsville who lives in Culpeper. He is suggesting a client to you in the comments section right now. Her name is Amy Cutright. He's tagged Amy Cutright in the comments section of my page, and Jamie Turner said, Amy, this is the mortgage person I recommend. He's on the show most Wednesdays and should be able to assist you. He's local to Culpepper. I have actually talked to Amy in the last few days. Okay. So we're matchmaking here. Um, Jamie Turner, um, you're good people. Thank you for suggesting Scott. I responded that Scott Morris moves uh, mountains. And for those that are watching the program, he should be a, a, a first call if you're looking for financing for a house. And Amy's family, or her husband, uh, they run a fantastic business called Greens Ward, Greens Ward, Greens Walled, um, hardscaping and landscaping uh, in the Culpeper, Central Virginia area. They do a fantastic job, um, and uh, they some really, really impressive work. Um, questions are coming in. You were asking questions of uh, Maggie, who's responding to you now, Keith. Thank you. She says, yes, Keith, and triple exclamation points. So many buyers, not enough affordable yeah. housing, so, especially not enough inventory under 300 k There you go. So my question for Maggie is, she's listening, is the tempo higher now than it was this time last year? In other words, are you seeing more buyers coming out in January, February this year than you did than you did last year. I know we're starting to see it more. More buyer, our buyers' phone calls are picking up. Hey, I'm thinking about getting back into the market. I'm thinking about doing this. Where this time last year they were so demoralized, right? Because you know the rates were low. They were losing deals left and right. On that end of it, we're starting to see that that tempo pick pick up. 
And what I'm trying to do right here as I'm speaking live is taking a look at what in our region went pending in the last three days and, and to take a look at what the average days on market, the medium days on market was. So in the last three days, since Monday to today, in our footprint, 29 homes, this is detached, this is detached and attached, no new construction, I pulled that out, have went pending in the last three days. Just think about that. Think about that absorption rate. In three days, 29 homes, attached or detached, went pending in three days. That's, that is an indicator of the tempo and the speed of the market here, and we're not sure it's not. How many, to how many total units on market in the area? I mean, it's been pretty crystal clear throughout the last six-month period with rates going to 7% levels that rates are not really influencing this market. Um, and that's something that we've talked about on the show. Maybe for some investors, rates are inf influence in the market, or for the refinance business, it's influencing the market. But there's so many buyers here that Smith is basically saying that the inventory, if it's listed at a right price and it's in a good spot, it's going to move. Here's six things. So to give you an idea uh, of what the, the, the buyer perception is who's just walking in the door, Let's say uh, uh, somebody downsizing, they're, they're going to sell a, a property, they want to retain some funds, they're going to go get a mortgage. The, their concept is, I had somebody, uh, this dude's educated, makes you know, good money, has for 30 years, um, and talk, you know, calls me this morning, hey, what's going on? Uh, he's like, uh, he goes, there, there must be some deals out there. You're seeing those prices come down since, uh, since rates are so high. I said, buddy, I had... Three people lose in the last week who are making over offer, um, you know, bids that like that that are going into to try buy a house. Like the the inventory level is does not support a lower you know lower prices. It just I hundred percent agree, and I'll throw it to you. Where the where the rates could be influencing this market is in in the inventory pinch with those of us that secured rates four percent or under during the historically low interest rate period. Yep. That may demotivate us from listing homes. Because you don't have to. Because we don't have to. If you have to, then you have to. Exactly, exactly. But, but all, that do all that does, and we, 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 we've been talking about this quite a bit, all that is going to do is make this inventory even worse. That's the problem. How do we... At, at go ahead. first, at first... So, and I, the, the exact words I said to the friend of mine on the phone was, all right, so let's say you rates. you got a friend? I've got one. He's got um, a lot of friends. I'm let's his say, friend. Let's say, let's say rates Judas is friend. overnight Judas fell to 5%. What's the inventory problem that we have would be, exact, would be just absolutely that much more worse in the short term until people could then move the mental barrier to go ahead and list the price and go, all right, I'm at three and a half. I could go to five to cash in on all this equity and go get the next thing. So the seller side, the list side, the number one conversation, any real estate agent that is watching or listening, contradict me or agree with me or add, add, in, add into your thoughts and comments on it. A lot of folks are like, well, I'm not going to put my house on the market because i got no place to go, Right. You know, until they have to go someplace, right? Absolutely. You know, but at the moment, you know, motivation's a, a very uh, motivating thing, right? If I'm motivated to, to buy and sell, and so one of the things, like, if we're 
representing Scott as a first-time homer, any buyer, and, and, and he's looking at um, Jerry's home and Judah's the listing agent, first thing I'm going to do is call up Judah and find out, what Jerry, find out to the best of my ability what Jerry's motivation is. Well, that come, yeah, it comes back to death, divorce, family growth. Um, yeah. He's know. had enough of Smith and he's leaving the state, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Never, Keith. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure about that. Never. <laughs> Maybe that's Mrs. Smith saying that. I don't know. We, we, we have the obvious ways of solving the inventory pinch. One of the obvious ways is government involvement. We have to be frank. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. We all realize changing, and I love what Keith champions, changing red tape into green tape will add inventory, but that's a long-term solution here. It's not going to happen short-term. Short-term, fellas, we're, this inventory pinch is going to worsen. It's going to worsen, is it not? I don't know how much worse it really is going to get. I think that uh, we, I think it's going to be much like it has been um, until I see the data coming to support a lower rate environment. Um, we got to get there. Um, but do you still believe we're going to get there? Yeah. I 100% still believe that we're going to get there. By the end of the year, we should Um, be south. I think that what we're seeing right now is a combination of uh, a a jobs report that was better than it truly was. Um, We are still seeing some some sticky inflation, um, but I think that we're going to see breaks in both that and jobs uh, starting this month. I think it's going to worsen because the Fed is unable to take the proverbial foot off the accelerator. The data is still coming in hot, so he has to be hawkish with commentary. And as he's hawkish with commentary, rates will rise as a result, and that's going to keep inventory pinched. We have to be be careful about what rate we're talking about going up, right? I understand there's not a direct correlation, but, but there they're is. all correlated. Everything is interconnected in this world uh, because if your credit card debt is obscene and you are now paying whatever on your credit card debt, it, that it impacts on his side of the equation on, on that end of it. So it, it, is, it is tied together, but there is technically not a direct correlation. It's more the T-bill that uh, impacts that that. The thing, but I'm just looking at what has sold in the la- close in the last seven days. It was 74 units, and I track very closely, you know, what the list price and the sales price is. And when they're awfully close, that means it's kind of balanced. So the list pr- average, the average list price of the 74, by the way, was 553,000. The median, the the average sales price was 551. So it's pretty damn close. When you start seeing those deltas widen, that's when you start seeing, okay, I'm listing at a dollar and I'm selling at a 50 cents. You start seeing the market changing a little bit. But the, the medium days on market for those 74 units was seven days. Now they're all over the place. It's Albemarle, Louisa, Fulvana, you know, city of Charlottesville, but it's our six jurisdictions. So we're looking at just a seven-day snapshot, attached and detached, seven days on market. Pretty much the same delta, list versus sell. It's just, you know, this is a case where, you know, in one of my famous sayings, less is, less is more. In this case, more is better. 
right? We need more units, and I do not see them coming down the pike anytime soon. We're going to have a great conversation on Friday, Friday. with Green County to talk about the <coughs> units there, units there, which may be helpful, but you know, it's it's econ 101. I just there's just not enough product. Friday, Green County supervisors. So it's a supervisor, uh, Dale Herring and, and um, Jim Friedel, which is the planning director. Okay. So, so Friday, mark your calendars. Neil Williamson's watching. That should be a good show. Yeah. Neil, good morning to you. Thank you kindly for watching the show, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. I think Jim's wearing several hats because of some staffing issues over there. But Well, did you hear what happened in Scottsville? I did. At the town council meeting. Town Council meeting in Scottsville. Neil will appreciate this commentary. Kevin Yancey, I see your comment here. It's a good one, Mayor Waynesboro. Um, At the most recent Scottsville Town Council meeting, the vote to take the tire plant, Dr. Hertz Building, that is laden with asbestos and has been a forgotten property, there's a proposal on the table to convert it into apartments, and Town Council voted in a very, very narrow vote not to approve this development, and when that vote went no, one of the counselors that voted yes was so demoralized, he immediately quit he, council he, on the spot. He resigned. Literally resigned on the spot right after the vote. So why does, what's, the, what's, the, what's the pushback against the apartments? The, the infrastructure conversation is happening where, where a lot of folks in Scottsville, which is a town of roughly 500 residents, um, they, they're saying that we don't have the infrastructure, roads, police, EMTs, rescue, to, uh, to manage this kind of added density. But here's an extra catch to this, is, is Scottsville is running at a budget deficit. And, and it's a pretty significant deficit, because what allowed them, you'll, I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to say this, because I think I know Scott's res- response to this. During the pandemic, they got relief money. Yeah. And they spent that relief money, the town of Scottsville. And now that the relief money is gone, they have services that were financed during the pandemic. That they're looking for money to keep shocking. These, yeah, they're looking to money to keep these services going. One of the ways they could have kept the budget uh, solvent was this apartment complex, the development, because it would, you know, create an incremental revenue. Plus, there was some cash, immediate cash coming in. Yeah, there was some immediate cash coming, in, immediate infrastructure things they were going to do. Just to put a little caveat to it, um, <clears throat> so it got rejected, it got denied. They cannot bring that application back in its current form uh, for another year. So that, that apartment, that whatever they're trying to get approved, that's done for a year. Now they can bring back something else. But more and, than and like- you know, the Scottsville, and Scott, you jump in here, Keith, you jump in here. Scottsville is a unique animal because of its town status. The real estate taxes go to Almora County. They do not go to the town of Scottsville. Exactly. And it's not like they have a ton of restaurants in the town of Scottsville that are generating meals tax revenue. Yes. So they're really looking for revenue sources So here. isn't that this kind of like the, I mean, this is what Scottsville has gone through for 50 years none of this seems surprising to me that the town has always the township itself has always been like an impoverished part of the the area but but I think the think if I'm reading Jerry's chemistry right it's more than that Um, I can't give specifics but I had a phone call from driving in from somebody that Jerry and I know very well for a project in Zion, excuse me, in Louise in Zion's Crossroads, that's coming up on Monday. 
that they thought they had the approval for, and now they don't. And I was being asked some advice on how they should proceed or not proceed, proceed, proceed in it on that event. And I, I frankly couldn't offer them any, any, any great words of wisdom, to be frank. Um, but the reality of it is this is going to be like 500 units that just are not going to get built. 500 apartments. No. Or no, you're talking about Louisa. He's talking Louisa. Science Crossroads okay. yeah, project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But my point is, it's, this is a, a mindset that is growing out in some of the perimeter counties, right? So it seems like some of these counties caught some of the flu from Charlottesville and maybe the inner ring of Albemarle where years ago, you know, project, they were very, Louisa was very development friendly. It, it has, it has, it probably will fail. Well, I mean, look at look at the political capital in various jurisdictions to more density in Central Virginia. Chris Fairchild, supervisor of Fluvanna County, has come on this program and said there's going to be no more new housing in Fluvanna. He said that there might be onesies and twosies, but okay. other than that, that's what he said. No more new housing. You got the town of Scottsville who voted down um, an apartment complex that, let's cut to the chase, we need more housing, right? Town of Scottsville voted it down. Yeah, but I don't disagree with that. Um, if, if they already can't support their services that they have in place, and these aren't, uh, and we're not even putting, uh, if, if possibly if they were condos, um, to where you're putting hopefully uh, a more affluent uh, borrower, buyer, resident there um, in place of however many units so of apartments that you don't have, uh, that you don't have parking to support, where the street parking is a nightmare, uh, you know, you go through all of the, the checklist of, they are short on police, they are short on EMT, they, all of these things, like, how much benefit does the apartment but, but building how, truly bring? How does it is it more of a burden? I empathize with the town of Scottsville and their infrastructure concerns. I do. I 100% understand that perspective. I guess the point I was trying to make is, you got multiple jurisdictions townships, local governments, whatever you call it, that are currently kiboshing new housing and additional housing. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a political climate that may not want more housing. We may have to start well, I think that's where we that. are. I mean, that's yeah. the reality of it. Well, isn't that where, where growth extends into other areas? So this is where Goochland and Buckingham and these, out, these outlying counties sh- should show some benefit? Because with that, Fluvanna just spent however many millions of dollars building a new high school, they get more bodies, they're going to outgrow that, and they, Se- won't, well, they still won't have repaid the debt on the, what they just did. $70 million. And they're, by the way, $20 million in debt for a water system that they don't have yet. See, I mean, when, uh, you, when you take these things into consideration. But let me, but let me so there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an honest belief out there that housing in these jurisdictions is a drain on everything. So do you believe that or do you think housing actually is beneficial? Does that make sense, that question? I I think a large portion of central Virginia, and I'm not going to characterize it by majority or minority. I'll just say a large portion of central Virginia feels that way. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how much... How are we going to change this inventory? It depends on how much of that community spending is happening inside of that community. Or is that spending in Fluvanna occurring in Charlottesville. So Charlottesville gobbles up the the, the sales tax, tax, tax revenue, tax revenue exactly while the county goes 
is, is drowning um, in, in bodies and services. That's exactly right. So you want to try to keep them, you're 100% right, 80, 60, 80%, depending on who you talk to, of Lake Monticello travels out of Lake Monticello every day. Right? I'm, They'd I'm rather a- shop at uh, Wegmans than Food Line. No, I get it. Kevin Yancey says it was an $84 million high school. 84, thank you, yeah. Kevin. Um, uh, thank you for the phone call yesterday, Kevin. That, he's that was putting good in the feed. Did you get my text message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there, the, this comment is coming in from Neil Williamson. Um, the town of Scottsville's budget is about 600000 to yeah. provide services to residents and visitors. As with most governments, personnel costs to provide quality services are the largest part of the budget. For transparency, the table below shows the tenure and the annual pay of the town's full-time and part-time staff. So, and, and I'll put this in perspective and throw it to you. Matt Lawless is the town manager. Yeah. He's a great guy. Uh, you got, our chemistry's working. Matt Lawless is the town manager. Great guy. Recently got a raise. And I hope someone tags Matt Lawless yeah. on this feed here. He's a town manager of Scottsville. I believe his raise, if what I read is correct or if my memory's serving me correct of what I read... Is, he's making about $53,000 yeah, here. Not, it's not much north of it. Let, let me put this in perspective. To be the town manager. Let, let me put this in perspective. The 80% AMI for the land trust that we do is $57,000. He would not qualify. No, no. no he, he, would, would he, would qualify. Qualify. he would He would qualify. qualify. So yeah. the town manager would, would qualify from an income perspective. Now, does he make enough income to get a loan or something like that? That's a different story. But as far as income limits go, now it depends on what his wife makes because it's a household kind of thing. But him alone, would he? so just think about that. The town manager. The guy who runs the town. Town manager. I mean, you're talking about the number one guy here. Yeah. I mean, so that really puts it in perspective. But you should, uh, and what I'm, I know Neil does this, but it'd be very interesting to take a look uh, about all the jurisdictions and what, the folks make right, and you think about what what I mean. The, the city, the city manager for Charlottesville City, you're talking about a quarter of a million dollars. But how much total of, compensation? But, but how much of a budget does he does he manage? Or I how mean, much he's managing budget? north of two hundred million. Yeah, six hundred k roughly for Scottsville Town Manager. Yeah, I, and and I, and I get that, but. You know, and Matt's, I know Matt personally. He's, he's a, good at his he's, job. He's very good at his job. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. He's surely not getting paid enough. Well, then, surely I mean, paid. and then we go back to every teacher, police, and yeah, firefighter sure. that all fill these same buckets. And we're saying that we already don't have enough money to support these services um, and the, infra- the infrastructure to support adding more bodies to the pool. I think that's where this becomes this but conversation. Is this, uh, 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 I can't believe I was just about ready to say this. This is a chicken and egg thing. It is a chicken and egg right? thing. Right? Uh, uh, I, I knew every show hey, we get I'm, chickens I got, in. I got, um, I'm, 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 more, I'm, did, I'm chicken did. plus right now. I'm, I'm, chicken I'm, plus. I've been, I've been hatching out a bunch of uh, You damn capitalist, chicks, you. So, <laughs> so produce some more chickens and eggs. But, you know, so are you saying that we shouldn't do more development until the infrastructure is there, or, or do we... What, how, how, in your mind, how do you reconcile the chicken and the egg in this case? So, I think they have to should have been harmoniously. Fluvanna should have been more pro business twenty years ago, and they shouldn't have relied yeah, yeah. on utilities, yeah, public yeah. utilities, yeah. to pay their taxes, yeah. and well, they would have been on the other side well, of the fence. Well, we missed the, we missed the opportunity of having a second power plant, which was, if I believe the math right, is about six million bucks a year in taxes, and that got shot down because the. It wasn't politically 
astute at the time to go ahead and do that. So we could have had another six million. So this, this, Jerry's spot on. It has to be done concurrently. That's a big word. Mm -hmm. Nicely done. I'm proud of myself. I think I even said it right. Uh, It has to be done concurrently. But I know this much. If let's talk about our home county, right, Fulvana County. If we don't either miraculously get high-producing tax revenue businesses, which I don't frankly see us getting on it, their budget is going to land on my back, right, on your dad's back, right, you know, and my mother and father's back. And that's why we're having, and mom, I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but this is why we're having a conversation with mom and dad about, you know, what are we going to do, right? So what happens, coach? All I know is we're at 7%. We're selling houses like crazy, right? We've got buyers. I got nothing for them to sell. What's going to happen to the price of houses? What's going to happen to the price of chickens and eggs? Exactly. Everything's going to continue to go up. but It's going to be more affluent. So who is it uh, who's saying no more houses in Fluvanna? Uh, Supervisor Fairchild. All right. So you got the no, no development. So even if that... Pretty influential even guy in Florida. Even if that were to be broken in some way, you're still four years away from that being oh. a, a thing. Oh, without doubt. Um, and let's try six, but there, yeah. yeah, without doubt. Without so doubt. the overall inventory problem isn't shifting in the area from those, you know, we're, we can't build our way out of this we, in the short term. Got it. Okay. Thank you for quantifying that. But Michael Payne said that. Michael Payne's running for re-election. Lloyd Snook's running yeah, I for saw re-election. That. Yeah. Lloyd yeah. Snook's running for re-election. Um, We're going to have some great shows coming up. Undoubtedly. Um, that's why I stand by the comment I made about this pinch with the inventory is going to be a persistent problem. Yeah. It, it, it's not rates. It's not the rates. We've seen with the data over the last six months. We're looking in, the, at in, the, in, in a calendar year, or excuse me, in a 365-day period, rates have 2x, basically, and the housing is still selling. All you got to do is look at the reports Yeah, on Real Talk with Keith Smith. I mean, it's, 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 it's not the rates. It's not the so, rates. Well, all right, to that point. So when you have rates that have 2x in a 12-month period, so anyone who – it it hinders the transition of people going uh, and taking the next step because of where they are in that sub-four environment. But I think if we can get to five, we're going to go through a pain point of, you know, everything takes longer. I like, I like to say everything takes longer than we like to think it does. But let's say it was a 90-day period where, you know, things were just really, really tight, but rates had fallen. And then, but people start seeing the, the equity that they can have in, in moving, and then they go, okay, all right, well, I, I can make it make sense to do this. That's where you get on the other side of it. But we need... We need a falling rate environment, and we need it to stick. Okay. We, can't, we can't dip down for 30 days and then be back up into the sevens 30 days later. So, so for the sake of a talk show, to, to steal my good friend's uh, line there, we are now 30, 60, 90 days from now. Rate's been sub-5. It's going to stay sub-5. It'll worsen the predicament. What, what does that do to this conversation we're just having? 
inventory. So, so that's what I'm saying. I think in the in the short term, it it worsens the predicament as far as uh, af- affordable housing goes because you're going to see valuations continue to climb. But you'll still you it'll give people the opportunity to go. Okay, I can take this equity and only see this much difference in stepping up into the next thing. Yeah, I I give him that. I I agree with that. But for the mental um, hurdle to be cleared, to your point, it has to be more than just the two or three weeks. Heck, I don't even think it was two or three weeks when they dropped below six this year. It has to, it, it, how, how long it has was that? To, yeah, it was, yeah, it it was, was two, yeah, two It was weeks. a New York. It was a cup yeah. of coffee. Yeah. So to his point, it's got to be a long period of time for folks to make that mental leap to basically say, I'm 275 now. I'll go to five and a quarter, which that is really difficult for me to. I'm about to say, I don't see you doing 275 that. 275 to five and a quarter would be really difficult for me to and, do. Unless, the only way I could do that is the fact that the property has gone up 30% since when I bought yeah, it so in March 2020. Yeah, so you balance it with cash and, yeah. and your monthly payment. That's maybe. the only way I could justify that. Or, or you're told that's what you do. I mean, no, this one, <laughs> she trusts me on this one. This is the few that, was, you know, this is my call to make on this one. Joke. Everything else is her call to make. This is a joke. Hey, read, read Paul Jameson. Read Jameson Paul. Welcome to the uh, show. Where are you watching? Are you in South Carolina these days? Um, Neil Williamson sharing good content. Um, Kevin Yancey, the, the um, police are on payroll in the town of Scottsville. Police. Right. They also yeah. have yeah. Um, Matt Lawless as the top paid employee. His salary is fifty nine thousand now, according to Charlottesville tomorrow. Um, the and that's underpaid. Oh, hundred percent underpaid. It, Scottsville's now spending one hundred thirty three thousand more on payroll today than it was in two thousand nineteen, according to the Charlottesville tomorrow article that was recently published on this. Yeah. So so now we don't have a, we don't have our. We don't have a project that was going to bring in cash to make up the two hundred grand shortfall because that's if you read the article, yeah, that was that's that was the proposal anyway. So that's off the table. It's probably nothing is going to happen there. My suspicion would be because I don't think it'll pencil out any other way because of the expenses of developing and doing it. And so how is the city of Sc- town of Scottsville going to make up that two hundred grand? It's either going to cut services. Raise the meals tax. Or raise taxes. I, I think it's going to be both. I mean, they're talking yeah. about in the Charlottesville Tomorrow, tomorrow uh, article canceling a sidewalk construction project yeah. to save ten yeah. grand, canceling yeah. a $6,000 public art grant to save six Um They're talking about potentially raising taxes in the town. And those taxes are what specifically, Keith? You got meals tax there that goes to the town. Because the real estate taxes go to Albemarle County. They do. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about the tax structure in the town. The bottom line is whatever the pool they've got, it's going up. Right? It's, it's just that simple. It's going to go up. They've got to make up that. They, they either got to make up that 200 grand somewhere, and, and you know, each jurisdiction possibly is going to run into the same issue. Right? That's why the budget season is so important to watch what you're in the middle of right now. Or they're just going to cut services. They're gonna take police. I mean, two hundred grand is a lot. I mean, how much is how much is the salary total? Um, I'd have to, I don't think it equals two hundred grand. Scottsville is spending one hundred thirty-three thousand more on payroll than it was in two thousand nineteen. I'd have to figure out the total number from this article. Um, I'm reading it on the fly here, uh, and this is resonating with the viewers and listeners. This is coming from someone who lives in the town of Scottsville. We cannot accommodate the kind of housing density that this project proposed. We don't have the infrastructure in place to do so. 
if they can solve the infrastructure problem, we're all for more housing because we know it's for the, the benefit of the businesses in the town. But until the infrastructure is there, we don't want this kind of project. Yeah. Literally in the feed. Yeah. So it's a ch- back to my chicken and egg comment. How, how you going? Because if you're, who's going to pay for the infrastructure, right? And I think if I remember the application right, some of the infrastructure was being paid by the developer. I may be wrong. I read it very quickly uh, the other day. But you know, who's going to pay for that? Where is that money going to come from? Right. To How go- much sidewalk do you get for ten thousand dollars? Not That's a, a lot. Great question. I, I wouldn't t- imagine. I, I, it's I a can lot. tell you, not a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I when can, you when you look at the 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 you know the concrete cost, I mean, I I know what. Well, it's not the concrete cost. It's the it's the right. It's the I can get this out. It's the utilities you got to move to put it in. It's the infrastructure. It's not just pouring concrete. Right, so that sounds like that's that's making this even smaller. Yeah, that's smaller what I'm saying. Than that than that that. If that includes hundreds of feet of of sidewalk. I would be very surprised. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. from me to the door. That's like ten grand. This is. And I mean, have you guys had your like poles? They got to move. Your driveway sealed or repaved recently? I just did it. Have you? How much did you spend on that? Too much. Did you do it in conjunction with other neighbors no. for a price reduction? That's what we do. What we did. It's yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. I'm a redneck. I've got a gravel road. That's nice. That's very nice. That's very nice. Um, ours. I was I was taken aback with how expensive that was. The Scottsville loft proposal would have meant seventy five thousand in general contractor licenses, yeah. plus a boost to the local economy in the form of material sales, yeah. lunches from construction workers, yeah. and even construction jobs for locals. So Echelon Resources would have given a hundred grand yeah. for the levies, right. and would have given two hundred k for the sidewalk construction improvements that local residents want. It's All a, that money is gone. It's an old. Google it sometimes. It's an old white paper, but it was written in t- 2015, and it's it's called the impact of new construction on local governments. It was like Virginia Housing did it or something. So they call it direct in- and indirect expenses, right? So the direct expenses is during the construction, fuel, breakfast, lunch, that kind of thing. You know, restaurants will get a pickup a little bit. There'll be some dollars coming in. The indirect is the long-term taxes because that apartment complex is going to pay a substantial amount of taxes. No doubt. Right. On. I mean, how many of the folks would have just walked over to James River Brewery and had a pint once it was finished? And Neil says it's B-pole taxes and meals tax that stays with the town. The bee pole and the meals tax. Um, this question for you, why would Fluvanna stop someone not near the lake from building a subdivision? Well, it depends on where it is. Say, say that again now. Uh, why, why would, would Fluvanna stop someone not near the lake from okay. building a subdivision? It. Well, it depends on where it's located, right? So um, if, it's not around, if it's not in the growth area, in, in what they call the rural area, then the, you, you can't put, by rule, you can't put in a subdivision. You can do a rural subdivision, you know, like five lots, maybe even do what they call a rural cluster subdivision in there, which is a cluster. I've done one. It's a pain in the ass. Excuse me. It's a pain to go. Sorry about the little ears to go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's where the growth area is. There's a growth area. There's one around Lake Monticello and Zion's Crossroads. Lake Monticello, the reason folks wanted to do it was because the infrastructure was there. Water, sewer, that kind of thing. Crazy times, my friend. Woody Fincham, I promise I'll get to your comment. Hey, Woody. Uh, Fincham and Associates. Hey, Woody. He says, leadership requires looking at now but also planning for what is coming. Myopic politicians are not... Um, 
what we need right now. We need housing right now, Woody Fincham says. Um, so I just you, looked at Lake Monticello just to do a simple thing. The last, the, the last 60 days, right, we've sold at Lake Monticello because I like using it. It's a simple metrics to do it. We've closed on 16 units in the last 60 days. These are closed and contracted. The, uh, the median sales price, excuse me, the average sales price was 350 That same 60 days at the end of 2022, in, in 2022, 34 was sold. So we're, we're less than half. Uh, but the price, sales price was three three thirty five. So year over year, you went up over somebody do some quick math twenty five, uh, roughly thirty five thousand dollars. If I did my math right, on that in value. So and we're down fifty percent. And you're down. You're you're down fifty percent. You're down almost a one to one. How ratio. many uh, active units are there right now? I will find out for you, sir. Um, let's welcome uh, Aaron Searcy to the program. Hey, Aaron, how are you? She's what, VP of Sales and Associate Broker at Storyhouse. Yep. Hey, Aaron. Um, real estate. Love when you watch the program. Join us in the conversation if you want to shape the discussion, Aaron. Um, Nine. Nine active units, 4,000 rooftops. It's tough, I pull man. Out, I, pull, I pull out, it, it's, uh, yeah, 4,300 rooftops. I pull out new construction out of it. So that's nine. How, what's the average days on market? Uh, Right, average is uh, it's hard to do on 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 uh, active at the moment. Uh, it, I use medium; it's twenty six. Okay, that's that's a lot. Actually. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is that is a lot. That's so that lot. I mean, I, I tell. So I'm looking at them right now, um, and without getting into specific details on them because I'll get myself into trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's two. There's one that's over two hundred days, which I. Obviously, there's an it either issue. has some major problems yeah, yeah, or it's yeah. majorly. There's one that's 138 days over market, one 96 days over market, one 42 days over market. Uh, but you know, when you start start looking at the ones that just came on, they're in the single digits. Yeah, that's so. Those your yeah. So that's basically what's. They're either over, the ones that are high in it. They're either overpriced, or wrong, they've got something. Yeah, wrong yeah, yeah, features yeah, yeah. or conditions or something. Like so. That. He gets this question all the time. Um, Grayson, we appreciate you watching the program. North Downtown's finest. Wants to know when rates are going to drop again. I think we see some, well, uh, you know, uh, we're going to see some inflation data and some jobs reports come out um, between the 7th and the 10th. Um, going, I, I, you know, was hoping that we got some, uh, a little reprieve, um, or we see maybe. Uh, some like a technical ceiling kind of hold things. If we can, if we can, if the U.S. ten-year can can stay below four percent, um, we can get in the next week where we should get some good inflation data um, and some bad jobs reports. Uh, good for the bond market, bad for the overall economy. But that should pull rates back down a little bit. Um, that's what's keeping us flirting with Man, the highs. It that we're is seeing only right going to make it effing worse. I'm telling you. If rates go down, oh, I don't, no, no, no. I'm not talking about. We're, I'm we're just, not seeing I'm that just kind looking of improvement. At, I'm literally I'm looking at these nine homes. Just staying off these highs. I'm looking at these nine homes, and it's really five. That's I'm looking at them as you were speaking. There's really only five homes on the market, Lake Monticello, because the ones that are up there, they're long really in not, the tooth. They're really not on the market. Yeah, uh, and I may have just got myself in a bunch of trouble there, but they're really not. So there's really only five homes that are really on the market, and if you really want to buy something. 
I mean, hell, there's nothing available. Oh, okay, there's there's one or two that are below 300 grand on that end of it, and uh, those are not so much the long in the tooth end of it, but they're they're kind of growing there a little bit on it. But you know, the ones that's in one day market, zero day market, they're over 300 grand. Yeah, on that end of it, I just. I just think higher interest rates are going to be more buyers getting into the market. We're seeing it right now. It's picking up. The tempo is picking up. Inventory isn't picking up because people aren't moving. We all kind of agree if it's four years, five years, two years, we just don't see new product coming out of the ground in enough volume to make a difference and impact. And why I said earlier it's all about micro markets matter. They do. And location matters. Um, John Blair watching the program. JB, we'll get to these comments here on LinkedIn. He says, the, uh, the idea of inf infrastructure in place to serve residential development is simply a bad governance. Yeah. That will never occur. Yeah. A local government may have infrastructure in place, development parks for new industrial office development, but yeah. no local government is ever going to build roads no. and lay sewer water before resident residential development comes. He also says this, think about it this way, would any taxpayer support capital expenditures and additional operational expenditures before development? That is never going to happen from a political perspective. It's he's, good comments right there. But is on. that even what we're really getting into? Um, aren't we talking like I think the, that's exactly what we're talking but about. But are are th on a basic service level with existing bodies to support uh, critical fire, police, those items, those are what they're already short on. Um, so if you get... If, let's say we can build a big enough parking lot to support the apartment building, uh, you know. Well, you, it's, not gonna... it's two sides to that coin, though, Scott, because let's assume they even had the capital. And, and you're talking, John is, let's, he's the city attorney yeah. for the town of Stanton, and he's now acting city manager yeah. in the town of Stanton. He, 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 he was the town, the, the city manager of Charlottesville. Yeah, he And the city attorney of Charlottesville. This is firsthand. I mean, we're, we're talking about. But on the, what the. Heavy my, hitter. Mike train of thought on that was you know look let's say we've got the capital to do this you can't hire anybody anyway right i mean well, then we get back into the labor problem. we get back to the labor problem even or they don't want to go right they don't want to come to work in a jurisdiction or 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 whatever I, you know this is just a um a con, you know, like I, I was joking around about our chickens, but it truly is a chicken and an egg thing. Well, yeah, I mean, Jerry's spot on though. This is a, this is not an us and them thing. It's a we thing. We together have to a attack this. It's it's part of why I put so much time in the regional housing partnership on that because we focus on these four pillars uh, for this topic that that I, I I think is important. But it's a we. It's not an us. It's not a them. The jurisdictions can't do it on their own. The one own. thing that it's causing universally to suffer is what we all con consider affordable. Like where th that price point is getting more and more difficult and not just here in, in Northern Virginia, Richmond. It's nationwide, Yeah. Wherever you go, that is the, the biggest obstacle that all of these other problems are creating or making that problem worse. So how do we fix it? Right? I mean, we talk about this all the I'd, time. I'd, I'd get a podium and I'd have people vote for me if I knew how to. <laughs> I, I, I think you are doing some good efforts with the land trust. Oh, I mean, I you. think that's a great concept. Well, that, that um, uh, my hat's off to Kevin. He gave me a great idea about that uh, for the other side of the hill, which I'm going I'm to work on a little bit uh, and get him, get a little help on his end. But, um, but that's just, a, you know, to, to steal it from Robert Liberty, that's, that's just a couple of pellets 
of the silver buckshot. There's no silver bullet to this. Right. Well, right? sure. If Robert Liberty knew how well, much knows. his phrase he, he, he does, it's used so much in Central Virginia. I love it. I get invoiced. I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get you got to pay royalties on that. I, get, I do. I get invoiced. You pay royalties. I get invoiced. Um, Kevin. Kevin wants to know that, and I've tried to respond in the comments here. A perfect site for new construction um, by the reservoir, five to eight miles from Zion's Crossroads. And I explained to him that there's no political capital for new construction in Fluvanna County. So he's kind of looking for venues for new construction. I just don't think you have the political a capital. A reservoir in Fluvanna? He's saying Fluvanna has a perfect site to construct a reservoir. Oh, to construct a reservoir within five to eight miles of Zion's Crossroads. I guess he's talking about the water. Yeah, um, yeah, that's Then he's also saying Louisa and Goochland are approving anything near Zion's Crossroads. Although that there's a little bit of friction now. No, I yeah. I, I think there's friction I, now. I I I may be wrong. Monday will be the telltale to that. Uh, but my my tea leaves are telling me it's going to be a close vote. Uh, you know, either way to get it approved, and this is a substantial substantial amount of rooftops um, in it. You know, to the to the infrastructure thing. A shout out to Louisa, though, right? 30 years ago, or how many years ago, Louisa did, did make an investment in bringing water uh, infrastructure to Zion's Crossroads long before anything was there. I, I, I can speak to this Before first. they ever started courting Walmart, before all of it. Yeah, I, I can speak with some authority on this because I was part of the discussions way back when. Um, you know, th there actually was, and our friends in Fulvana kind of relied on utilities as being no 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 sir what I was going to say is they they uh, they struck out at the plate because they had an opportunity to co-op with Louisa back in those days and they said no for whatever reason and now we're playing catch-up ball as far as Havana is concerned to bring water there. but you know we're not going to get any substantial water designs crossroads probably for another 24 36 months the point is also we don't have enough dirt to develop on the Fulvana side. If you look at the growth area, it's tiny compared to the Louisa County side. It's, it's half of Zion's Crossroads, the intersection, is in Louisa County. Excuse me. So anyway, did we solve so, anything? That's, that's why, that's why you're, you're thinking it's the Green County market. I, I, I do. I really, well, I think it's going to be the Greene County market. I really believe it's the other side of the hill. It's going to be where this type of growth is going to be welcomed, right? I think, I think on the Greene County side, we'll find more about this on Friday. I think it's the ones that are in the pipeline is that's going to get produced. I think right now, new big projects might hit the same brick wall as some of the other rural jurisdictions. That's what I think. Yeah. But but they have certain amount of lots that already either been approved or in the pipeline of being approved that and Neil will correct me, but no other jurisdiction that I'm aware of has that volume of potential lots in the pipeline. Um, this is from John. Please tell Scott and Keith that you three are providing a master class in real estate development today. <laughs> this is your best show in months. This is from John Blair. Thank you, John. That's big Thank time you. right there. Thank you. Uh, means, JB, we love something. when you watch the uh, content and offer and something. share your perspective. Um, so we're, look, look, you got, you got Payne and Snook announcing a run for re-election. You got three spots on the Board of Supervisors. 
Albemarle County. Albemarle County. You got Green County, one supervisor coming in Friday. Yep. To give you some clarity. You're going to start doing these coffee with the candidates, which I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Show me the path to meritable and tangible change. What, yeah, what moves the needle? What Show is, me the path. What is it? Yeah, that, I, I, and, and that's the question I asked is, what, how are we going to fix this, right? Look, the, the only way I know how to do something, because I'm surely not smart enough um, to, to, you know, to come up with some genius plan, the only way I know how to do this is to talk about it and to get the, pe- the, the, the decision makers or get the, get the stakeholders as the term du jour on it at the table. That's the reason why on March 24th we're doing this summit with the Regional Housing Partnership, which again is built. I have, we have all the elected bodies there. We have all the nonprofits in the housing space. We have most of the for-profits in the housing space in this group, and we have the people who we serve not one of those pillars can do this on its own. So people don't like change, people don't like increase of costs, and people like don't like things in their backyard. Yeah. So what is it that overall, because um, we're getting, you know, as it, the university's expanding, uh, the alphabets are expanding, NGICs, DIAs, those, we're, we're getting more bodies. So how do we support more bodies and, and do something to alleviate the cost if we can't build if if every if every jurisdiction's policy is we don't want to grow it's got to be economic development if it's not economic development then all you're going to do is raise taxable burdens on real estate own real estate and gentrify the community we'll let john blair answer this question please if he can i know the conversations i'm having with businesses that want to come in the area they won't do it a because there's not enough bodies to hire and because there's not enough rooftops there's not enough people here and what they're going to be what kind of business are those uh, these are manufacturing businesses these are you know 20 dollar an hour kind of kind of jobs that kind of thing now the the charlottesville businesses are growing or the high tech ones the six figure ones but these are you know the the manufacturing the the walmarts super centers of the world, right? You know, they're, they're not coming into our area because there's just not enough bodies bodies to hire. So, again, it's this chicken and egg kind of thing going on. What, what you know... I think we're getting an Amazon data center in Culpeper. You are. How confirmed is that? Confirm, confirm. Confirm, yeah. confirm? Wow. That's big time. Right. And so what's going to happen is all the people that are losing their jobs out west, they're going to migrate this way. Right, because they're gonna—they need somebody to work there, right? That they're not—they're not—they're not self—they're not autonomous. Look at that; it's another big word, autonomous. Autonomous. Did I, did I hurt myself? Yeah, I think I hurt myself one. on that. I one. think you did a great job right there. Autonomous, right? They don't run by themselves; they require people, correct, to a certain degree. Yes. Right. So, so they're—they're going to hire people. Where are those people going to come from to go ahead and do that? I, I might get myself into a little trouble here. And Jerry loves it when I do this. I love when you do that. Mrs. Smith does not. I love um, it. I think the biggest conflict that we've got going on here is going to be a generational conflict. It's going to be between... So let's just, let's just look at who's opposing projects. What do they look like? Uh, they are generally older in demographic, white have mustaches and tassels <laughs> on their loafers. <laughs> that was the thing at Keith Smith over there. Yes, they're generally... No tassels on my loafers. Scott made that joke. I thought it was hilarious. Because I could truly see you at one time wearing loafers with tassels. 
who says I don't? I just, I just don't bring them on here because you bust my chops so much. Um, Neil says the Amazon data center is not a high number of employees yeah, I, for Culpepper. Uh, and he shares the Charlie Armstrong link from the Free Enterprise Forum that talks about the Greene County Board of Supervisor interaction. Yeah. Um, Reed, so that Jameson, was, Paul that was says, for 55 and over says old white liberals oppose housing. That's what he writes from South Carolina. I actually, it's actually both sides of the aisle. It's both sides of the aisle that's doing this. It's one of the few unifying um, topics. It's still, uh, yeah, NIMBYism. NIMBYism. Yeah. NIMBYism is so one that's, of the few that's what I was trying to get to. NIMBYism usually, look, usually like me, there was just an article, which I was not planning to talk about it here, self by, um, actually, Vaughn's Googling me right now, Insider Magazine, Business Insider. Self-centered boomers destroyed the economy, and now millennials and Gen Zs are paying the price. So the article basically talks about that the younger folks are build baby build kind of thing. Where am I going to live? The older the older boomers, which would be me. But you're not. You don't embody that. No, but I, I my, hear you're in the game of selling. I'm in the yeah, yeah. In case anybody's wondering, you're, I am in, you're a realtor. I am a realtor. You're a realtor. <laughs> actually, I do. I do you a work. job. He works. I work. He actually, well, he had some good news today. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you got I'll leave you, it at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't. We can't talk about that. Left right it now. at that. Thanks for putting me in the box there. Appreciate it, <laughs> brother. So, so we're, we're in circles, right? You know, we we can give these. And, and John, thank you so much. I've 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 always wanted to do a master class on this topic. Oh, he would on be the so show. great. But at the end of the day, it requires these, in my opinion, it requires these four pillars. The government can't do it on its own. The private sector can't do it on its own. The nonprofits definitely can't do it on their own. So everybody has to be together at one table to say, okay, where well, we're going to do it. And that's how we got the, these 23 units built with the land trust. So here's my question about the 23 units. So how does... How does that continue to remain affordable Ooh, with the shortage of inventory to the point where someone who fits the 80% uh, AMI bucket can no longer afford to qualify what their, the market kind of drives the cost? Try that, that question a little bit right, differently. So I had you halfway one, through one of the these, One of these units comes available. And okay. in order to, to, for someone to purchase that, uh, they must fall into the 80% MI, uh, mm -hmm. AMI, you know, be mm -hmm. qualified. What controls the cost of that when it comes back on market? Oh, you can answer that one. I can. I'm going to try to do it in, in layman's perspective. And do it without geeking out. Like, yeah. yeah, explain it so I can understand. I mean, marine proof? Yeah, Is yeah, that yeah. what you're trying to say? Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> there you go. Question. Now you understand it? <laughs> so I'll do it by an example. Our land trust, the first units we built, and was on Nassau Street. We built four of them. We received two hundred sixty thousand dollars from uh, Charlottesville. Plus, they helped us with a bunch of red tape, turning it into green tape. We expedited some things. So we turned around. We acquired land. We did the horizontal development. And we did the vertical development. Sold them for two fifteen. So the way the land trust works, it retains ownership of the land, right? So there is a ninety nine year lease on that on that land. The buyer buys the improvements on top of it. Right? Mm -hmm. So now, when that process happens, the land trust does a fair market appraisal. Matter of fact, Woody does it, does the fair market appraisal. So those units, I think it was two and a half, three years ago, when they were sold, um, they sold uh, for $215,000. Done. They're in the house. 
80% AMI, yada, yada, yada. They're in the house generally for like no cash down because we pay closing costs and all this great stuff. Two years later, I get a phone call. I'm ready to move up the lot, housing lot. I've got a new job. I'm ready to move up. I want to quantify back. As long as that buyer's in that house and their salary goes up, they're in the house. They're good, right? They don't, they're, they're in it. Right? Maybe that was part of the question you were trying to ask. They want to sell the house. I got what it. controls the value of the I got house? It. I'm, I'm trying to get there. So now two years from now, they're ready to sell. We do another appraisal. In this case, it jumped up to 400 grand. Right? So they went from 300 grand to 400 grand in two years. I thought, I thought, it went for, I thought they bought it at 215. They bought it at 215. The market value was 300. Okay. So the market value then two years from now. All right, now, now the market value is 400. 400 grand. What's the. Well, let, let, me, let me get it. So they get to use 25% of that, that appreciation, that 100 grand. They add it to their 215 initial purchase price. So the maximum sales price is 240, right? And the buyer has to make 80% AMI and below. So that's, that does that. And oh, by the way, in both those cases, they walked away with over $50,000 cash, moved up the, the ladder. So it was win, win, win. It was a win, win, win. And then somebody, but you know what's even better for the jurisdiction? The county, the city gave us $60,000 for the, each lot. That's one $60,000 will continue to give forever. So I'm not going back to them and saying, I need another $60,000 for the buyer who's buying that. So it's a one and done, much like my martinis. At the Vola, one and done. And, and it's true, I walk in and the bartender goes, one and done? Yeah, one and done. And so I, I, hope, I, I hope that wasn't too complicated. No, no, I get it. So, all right, so. What happens after the 99 years? It re- renews automatically. There you go. So conceivably, right now, uh, originally appraised at 300, purchased at 215. Uh, now we could be at 450. They get to keep twenty five percent of the delta uh, and two sixty five. Two sixty five can't can't sell to anybody that makes more than eighty. And oh, by the way, our average AMI is sixty five. But that gives you an idea. So to to the point, it's, it's one solution. It's not. It's, it's, it's not even a solution. How many? What, we're talking fifteen units total. No, I've done but, more than that. I know. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, for everybody else, we went from two fifteen valued at three hundred. Forget it. We went from three hundred to four fifty. Where so where does that place every other buyer who's that's out exactly there? Right. At that's the, that's at the that, that's, that's exactly right. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's why he is, says it's a silver buckshot. It's it's two. It's not the solution. It's two bullet, two pellets within a buckshot. It's not the. You have to bring along everybody else of those pillars in order to get to get closer to a full. To a silver I mean, bullet. we had probably. How do I get like a, a tiny house development like approved somewhere? But where would it go? But you can't. That's the problem. And also, the tiny houses the are course. often priced per square more expensive than the uh, single family detached. And why is that? You want to tell? No, you said. You're the contractor. You're no, the class you, we, We've been doing this uh, together. John's you know got me. an answer for you, though, yeah, on ahead, your John. question. He says to answer Keith's question, I think you need a pro-growth agenda in the area. Yeah. You need the Admiral County Economic Development Department to acquire land for manufacturing developments. Yeah. But you also need for the county, which is the biggest player in the area, to upzone like crazy for residential development. Increase the development area from 5% yeah. to 6% of the county's land mass. Yeah. The, and Answering ha- your question specifically. Yeah, and thank you, John. So um, I'm actually more in favor of a land bank so that the, the jurisdictions... And that's something I've been pushing, that the jurisdictions, if they had 
brownfields or parking lots or some amount of land that they weren't using. They put it into a land bank, and the land bank then reaches out to different developers, very similar to what UVA is doing that I'm part of the uh, community engagement team. Yeah. We send out RFPs and so forth and so on in it. Um, that, that methodology works. But look, you know, I was, I was, I was having, a, I mean, frankly, I was having a conversation with, with Kevin about this yesterday as I was driving to Fredericksburg for a meeting. You know, um, another path is, you know, tax delinquent properties. We just don't have any here. Yeah. This Richmond's is in Richmond. Got, Richmond's yeah, this got is in Richmond. There's some on the other side of the hill, and that was the conversation. What, in um, Waynesboro? Yeah. So, but then, you know, I... Typically, who goes in and gobbles up tax delinquent properties? Investors, Investors? yeah, Investors. wealthy folks that have cash on hand. Yeah, so so you know if the jurisdiction and I don't know how this works because I'm sure there's some state laws that mandate this, which I'm no an expert at this at all. But if the land trust could get a shot at it first legally, that would be a good thing. That's not a bad idea. That wouldn't be it's a, a great bad idea. idea. I just don't. Yeah. I, I think it has it, to go to the steps. Unless that I had the money to not only dislike that idea, but then beat you over the head in court about how wrong I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It could happen. So I think, I, and Neil would know this, I think, for sure. I think it has to, it's like a foreclosure, yeah. right? It has to go to the court steps in order for it to get in. I don't think they can unilaterally just take it, but I may be wrong. I, I you know, I want to emphasize this. I may be wrong. They please can't until, uh, you know, until don't. you get enough people to vote on it, and then, if you, you know, that's, that's... Please don't. The argument. Please We've don't. had, in the 23 years that I've been in the Charlottesville area, I've been here 23 years in August, we've had arguably the most pro-housing counselor in Michael Payne on there. I think Dave Norris is probably in that category, too. Michael Payne, you can make an argument the most pro-housing counselor in the last two decades. I actually think the timing, if that's what you're thinking, go ahead, I'll let you finish. I apologize. Here's my point. A very pro-housing council. Lloyd Snook says in his re-election announcement that affordable housing is a priority for him. Yeah. Most pro-housing counselor in the last 23 years, and nothing has materialized. Well, Nothing is materialized. Well, here's a prime example. Uh, there's, there's a the conversation is going in the right direction, but it's just a conversation. Excuse me, it's just a conversation. The best. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. But without those other pillars, the government just can't do this on on its own. It could help. It could facilitate. It could it could potentially fund. It could take rent tape into green tape, but it really can't do this. It takes a willing seller, to quote Neil Williamson. You know, somebody's got to be willing to sell this land to go ahead and, and, and do it. But, you know, it, it's... they got to be willing to sell the land. you got the, uh, the, the, land, the surrounding land owners not to fight it tooth and nail uh, at every uh, meeting for approval. I mean, there's, there's a, you know... It, that's what ter- turns this should be one year, two year process into a six year. Ten you know. years ago, I made a proposal to Fulvana County and it got shot down. My proposal to Fulvana County, it's pretty outside of the box, was to do what's called a, a, a subdivision overlay. The county itself takes on the role of being the rezoner and they rezone it and it sits over the top of an A1 property. And if Keith, Jerry, and Scott come in there, and we meet all the criteria and check all the boxes, then it automatically drops down on top of the land, and then we get to move forward. 
politically that's just suicide because now a board now is making political decisions for some future board, which is kind of a squirrely thing that one can or cannot do. But it was a solution at one time. Some jurisdictions have done that, mostly out west. They go ahead and they do it. Okay, this is it. And if we come in and check all the boxes, it drops back down and all of a sudden now we're there. But that requires Fulvana County to say, I want this in Zion's Crossroads. And they won't do that. The quickest path to solving this conundrum may be Payne's idea for the payment in lieu of the pilot program with UVA. Now, will UVA ever do that? I don't know. Yeah, re rephrase that again. I mean, where, he, where, where Payne is talking about how UVA owns so much real estate and, and what percentage of that real estate is, is being paid uh, or oh, taxes being paying. paid on. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about tens of millions of dollars if we can figure this out here. I'm not sure UVA will ever go for that. Well, some of that has changed because they moved some of the ones that they're talking about from the university um, to the foundation. The foundation, the foundation yeah. is yeah. taxable. Yeah. So the one on Main, West Main Street is now owned by the foundation. The one on Fontaine is now owned by the foundation. So it's still they, a sizable portion. Correct. That's owned by the university, which is, is, is not um, exposed to real estate taxes. That's exactly right. And I think his, uh, his argument is that I would think UVA would see it differently. Of course. Shockingly. Of course. Shocked. Um, gentlemen, today's, today's show is excellent. Um, government, government officials giving us props on the show. We appreciate that. Um, Keith Smith, Friday, what do you got? Yeah, so Friday we've got Green County at the table. We're going to have uh, the chairman of the Board of Supervisors and uh, a planning director, and I think he's wearing several other hats because of some staff shortages over there um we're we're probably uh what we've just been talking about it sounds like we're going to pick that topic back up and see from a rural jurisdictions perspective how they uh, see it uh you know from a budgeting perspective and housing no housing what do they see coming down the pike uh hell of a job today boys great work a lot of fun scott morse ross mortgage great guy thank you thank you um you know we need the volatility to, to come to an end. We need some sort of uh, the, the uh, I'm up, they see me, I'm down, uh, to slow down to where we can get into, I think the longer we get into a more stable environment, as far as mortgage rates go, um, the more likely we are to see people being willing to make that jump from a lower rate to a higher rate and, and take advantage of the equity that they have. Um, in the meantime, uh, let's talk about uh, using tools like a two-one buy-down. Uh, you know, using using the trusted professionals you have in your network to make good decisions to get you where you want to be. Well said, Scott Morris, Judah Wickhauer. Props to you, Keith Smith as well. I love Seville show up in fifty-five minutes. The show archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com, and make sure you click that sizzle reel. Menu oh, yeah. tab. That's right. New tab. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Yeah, That's love very, it. Very, very good. Real talk with Keysmith.com. All right, guys. Take care. Well done. Very well done. That was fantastic.